Welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast, where we bring sight to the blind and freedom to those enslaved by our pornified culture. Here, we dive into hard but important topics such as pornography, sexual identity, true freedom, real love, and living marriage well. Go deep with us as we uncover what Redeemed Vision means for each of us living in the world today. Come to know yourself, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, the joy of laughter, and how to live in gratitude and wonder. This is Redeemed Vision. Like welcome all of you to another edition of the Redeemed Vision podcast. I'm host Steve Picorni. Uh, boys and girls of all ages, gentlemen and ladies, buckle up. Uh, we have a really uh, great treat for you uh, today. Uh, a couple uh, just points uh, to put us all on the same page. Uh, encourage all of you who are listening to this uh, or, or watching this uh, to like, subscribe. Please spread the word. What we're sharing on this podcast is what the world really needs. It's what we believe uh, here. And, and obviously, the Redeemed Vision podcast is an outreach of Freedom Coaching. You can find our work at freedom-coaching.net. Um, since we had our last podcast here, um, we have been blessed to start a foundation, the Freedom Coaching Foundation. It's a 501c3. That means any donations that are made are tax deductible. And what this does, it helps us to... Um, cover some of the um, costs for scholarships for clients who may not be able to um, to cover the whole cost because we as coaches we like to eat we like to, to sleep uh, with roofs and things like that um, it also helps with any uh, advertising things like this to get the word out of how mess how important projects like this really are um, I also so if you if it's on your heart take it to prayer if God is calling you to, uh, you know, so take some of your tithe to support uh, a worthy organization, that we humbly pull, throw our hat uh, into that ring, um, and we'd be so so honored to receive that. I was recently also uh, honored to be a guest on Jason Everett's podcast, Lust is Boring. We had a very solid, uh, brief conversation about the work we're doing at Freedom Coaching. Um, and I encourage you to go over to that channel for the Chastity Project. Check out the work they're doing. And um, if you're listening through that at the end of that podcast, uh, I, I tell about a little code there that if you or a loved one you know is dealing with an attachment to pornography, um, is looking for freedom, Freedom Coaching can really be an answer. And uh, put that code on the application, and we're going to give you the free, the first meeting free. So um, it's one of the ways in which we can get back. And then most personally, um, as uh, I've, we've been blessed uh, to move into a new home over the past few months, uh, we've gone a little bit agrarian. Um, we have, uh, I've uh, gone full out and we've gotten some chickens. Um, and uh, just, a, you know, we're, we're always looking. I never in my wildest fantasy would think that I would be going to deal with chickens. We have eight beautiful sexlet, or sextet, or sexlet uh, hens. I still can't pronounce them. Um, they're beautiful. And um, one of my recent miracles just yesterday, they produced um, six eggs. Okay, so it's growing. Thoroughly thankful for this. So what miracles are going on in your life? That's what I encourage you to do. Post your comment below. Uh, and as you share this podcast, post your little thing of what your miracle is, because life is truly a gift. It is all a miracle. So Today, from that perspective, I want to dive in and in at the Redeem Vision podcast, right? We want to help people 
to see the world in a different way than, than a lot of people are seeing. We, we believe a lot of people are blind and they need to wake up. And, and we want to see the world ultimately through God's eyes. So our topic today is about a four-letter word. No, not that four-letter word. Another four-letter word that most people seem to have a, an opinion about, but may, may not have a handle on it as the dearly departed Freddie Mercury once said, crazy little thing called love. I got to get a handle on this thing. And by the way, side note, at our my, my wife and I at our wedding uh, reception, Michael Bublé's version of that song, that was our wedding dance. So it was beautiful. So today, what we want to do is we want to talk about love, everything that's connected to love, which is pretty much everything. And I'm a baby in this business of love, okay? So I want to bring on a master, uh, a guru, shall we say, of love, maybe not in the way that you would think of this, right? To go deep into the subject of love, and especially and specifically the subject of living a redeemed love, right? That This notion that, and this is one of the things we say here, right? nothing is wasted everything's redeemable. So our, our guest today, a very special guest, which I'm very excited to have on the podcast, is the one and only unrepeatable Damon Owens. And uh, some of you are going to be, um, probably most of you, familiar with who this is, but if you've been living in a cave somewhere, um, here's a little bit about Damon. Damon uh, grew up blessed among women with two sisters, grew up in New Jersey. Um, he's way smarter than me. He's, he's an Eagle Scout. Um, he's uh, got uh, uh, degrees in mechanical engineering, um, from Brown and Berkeley. It's amazing he's still Catholic and uh, has been involved with a lot of uh, technology uh, firms before he went on and, and God got a hold of him, done a, a major shift and where so much of his work for at least the last 20 years has been working in marriage um, directly. And so he's been, he's published in numerous articles, lots of publications, uh, radio interviews and things like that been blessed to produce a 13-part series with um, with EWTN. Um, and he's also a, this is this also was very interesting to me, and I'm totally going to uh, talk to him about this, uh, an accomplished gospel singer. He was honored to sing at the 1995 uh, New Jersey Papal Mass at Giants Stadium, which was presided by the one and only St. John Paul II. So he is known as the, uh, the first executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute, which is doing beautiful and wonderful work. Um, they trained over 2,000, excuse me, 20,000 couples in marriage and natural family planning and Theology of the Body with he and his wife, Melanie. And they were the delegates of the 2022 and 2015 World Meetings of Families, uh, and World Meeting of Families. And in 2017, the USCB Convocation for Catholic Leaders and has been doing such great work in this, and a great honor that Damon received. Damon um, received the papal Bene Merenti, um, Merenti, I think I pronounced that right. I can't nail it, right? Uh, medal for service to the church and support for marriage and family. So, Damon, uh, uh, this is not a comment on your weight. Uh, he is not a lightweight, though, in this. He's got a lot to offer. But his biggest claim to fame, most important claim to fame, is that he and uh, his wife, uh, Melanie, uh, I've been married, I believe, over 30 years. I think I got that right. Um, they've got eight children, uh, I think three grandchildren. You may have to update your bio here, buddy. And they live outside of Philadelphia. So without any further uh, wait, Damon Owens, welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast. Thank you, my friend. First of all, thank you for making what usually sounds like an obituary uh, and actually <laughs> like an introduction. So uh, thank you. It's great to be with you. Buddy. You're welcome. Dude, it's an honor, an honor to be here. And Damon, I, I've known you for several years, going spending back over a decade. Um, I, oh, you're being, you're being modest again. Two thousand—that's like sixteen years. Wow, man. do the math. Oh my gosh, 
do the math. I'm trying to I'm trying to help us not be as old as as we we, we it's too we late. I'm granddad. It's too late. I'm yes, granddad. you are. I'm Congratulations on that. I'm I'm you're a granddad for the third time. Is that right? That you're correct? speaking prophecy. It's two, but I'll, I'll wait it's for two, the third. We just my daughter just uh, gave birth to her second, and um, yeah, and I'm loving it. I went full embrace. I'm not pop pop. I'm not poppy. I'm not you know Duke. My name is Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> so. Not the Duke of Owens. I love it. I love it. Um, so I, I, and I'm going to come back to that one, but I have to, I got it. I got to know. So you're, and I never knew that your background as like formal trained gospel, gospel singer. Am I getting that right? Well, actually, honestly, the music was the first dream. I never dreamed growing up, even in engineering school of, of, of being a speaker. I never thought I had anything to talk about. It was all about music and you couldn't have told me otherwise. And, you know, in the eighties, I was Michael Jackson. You know, and, and I had music was everything. So I actually had a, a conversion. It's part of our story, reversion back to the faith. So then the music piece to gospel was really for about 10 years uh, after that. So. So, OK, can, can you throw me throw me a bone? Can I can I hear some of those lovely notes? Can I come on? For oh, you talking about the crazy little thing called love. I mean, it's, first of all, it's not gospel, but it, there's some gospel and truth in that. Right. But I sang for John Paul II. Um, um, Oh my gosh! What was now? You look at my memory. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment. Hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Then you can imagine the. 300 member choir coming behind you so it was a it was a it was a glorious day 1995 in fact it's the anniversary mm -hmm. it was october really? it was in october well i don't know when this where we're going to air 15. here i don't want to i don't want to out you but basically it was october of 22 i'm um, 22 now october of 1995 so we're looking at an anniversary of it just was a wonderful day with uh, the closest i ever got to saint john paul ii so wow Beautiful. So, ladies and gentlemen, tip your waitresses. He'll be here all night, um, and and, and he, he he's, available for con he's available for he's available for concerts and bar mitzvahs. So um, <laughs> he, he's he's good to go. So um, wonderful. What a gift! And and, and that that experience of, of of beauty really raptured you. And 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 that's one of the things that has, has touched me. And one of the things we we teach, especially in freedom coaching, is there's no defense against beauty. We, mm, we can't it is. like there it, it is. really nobody nobody looks at the sun sun sunset and like okay i've had enough you can turn it off now exactly exactly it melts the coldest hearts it uh, shatters the the hardest hearts of stone and, and all the poetry you can want but what i love about beauty is that um it it it's the aesthetic that breaks the anesthesia right mm. it's that dullness to what is good true and beautiful um when you experience you just go oh that's it you, you don't even want to defend against it. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I want to, I want to shift on that, on that point to topic, this, this connected with beauty is love, right? This, yeah. this, this idea right. of, uh, of love in a certain sense for us as Catholics and, and Christians, it should be everything, right? So Let's let's take a deep dive, and again, I'll, I'm going to give you lots of latitude on this. How would you say that your understanding of love has shifted over the years? Ooh, good entry point. You know, um, 
I think like everyone, I think it's a human thing, honestly, that you it's something you experience, a reality that's experienced, right? And then as we think we mature and we grow, we try to put words to it. We try to put patterns to it. We try to um, um, you know, think about the expectations of what it means to our life and the importance and all of that. So for me, yeah, the, the experience was the first thing. For me, it was very much the experience of being loved. Um, my mom you know, passed away this mm. year, Alzheimer's, mm. um, was a very tender, very affectionate, very present, very encouraging mom, especially for a middle boy. Uh, and my dad was very, and still is very demanding. He's the excellence guy. He's the, you know, he grew up in the South, North Carolina, um, you know, during segregation. So I grew up, you know, in the 60s, 70s, mm -hmm. 80s, 90s, 80s with him is, you know, you got to be twice as good to get half as much. So that's mm -hmm. like baked into me. So yeah. love to me is sort of that combination of the attentiveness, the affection, the, the presence, but also the demands, sometimes radical demands, sometimes painful demands. Uh, and I'm not talking about a perfection mm -hmm. here. My, both of my parents are human and flawed, but, but love to me was that experience of belonging to someone. And later on, as I left the faith, <clears throat> not intentionally, but really just being distracted and, and as you mentioned, Brown and Berkeley, um, I, the singing, the, the accolades, the, the girls, the, you know, all of that stuff was very, very distracting and attracting. But in meeting Melanie at Berkeley, we both had a major reversion back to the faith. And I think there is where love really came to, mm. um, you know, I already thought I was way smarter than I actually was, but trying to connect the truth about love with all of those experiences. You know, what is love? It can't be just what I feel. It can't just be what I, you know, what delights me. But I've had so much of that delight with beautiful women and with, you know, illicit sex and with, you know, praise of, you know, accolades of being on things. Oh, love. But it's not, it comes and it goes and it never satisfies. And yet that love can't be compared to the love of my mother, the love of my, my dad, of belonging to someone. And then now with Melanie, belonging to someone that we weren't related, you know? Um, and I think, to be honest, underlying all of that was the faith that my, my family practiced. That God was always, Jesus was always part of the conversation. You can't give somebody a relationship with Christ, right? But you can you can make witness to it as a, in, in a natural way. And there was a naturalness to my dad's conversion from AME Zion, uh, you know, African Methodist Episcopal uh, to Catholic, mm -hmm. my mother's generation's Catholic. That was sort of the underlying in that search as well. So longer answer, but I think, I think it's experience. And then as we mature, trying to put order to that and meaning to it. And thankfully, I had that foundation of faith that took me to the perfect understanding, uh, which is really in our in our Catholic faith. Awesome. It's, be it's, it's beautifully, beautifully said and elicited here. And, and so there's there's a lot of people who are, I'm sure, listening to this, thinking Damon, Damon struggled, but Damon's come to a place and, and experienced profound love here not there. I, I, I haven't made it that way, right? And, and I think part of that is is the confusion of our culture. How would you articulate that confusion over love in our culture? Yeah, I would be precise in the language. First of all, I, there were years I didn't struggle. I just fell. There were, there were times I just, I just walked away. Just I turned away. Yeah, and not even in despair. It was like, oh, there's something better over there. You know, there's something better if I do this. And I, you know, I try, well, you know, I'm still, I believe in God. I never, not, I never not believed in God. 
It was never a disbelief. Thank God. I know people who struggle with that, and I honor that. Mine was never a struggle about the, the truth about who God is. So the, the confusion now, the struggle, you know, in an authentic way, is really taking on what what's a contradiction. To me, struggle is about wrestling with contradiction. That God is all loving, all true, all powerful, all all knowing, and that we're his sons and daughters, and yet I don't always desire, recognize, or understand God. So there's like a, a conflict between it's not always delightful, but if he's love, how come this love over here is actually delightful right now? So that's what I mean, the struggle. The struggle is the, that, that brokenness that we, as you and I have talked about often, the, the disintegration, this fractured mm-hmm. reality yes. of passion, of the will to do and to choose and to, and, to, and to do the good, the intellect to know what's good, true, and beautiful, back to that. And then the acts, the experience, that's, that's part of who we are. And everything is sort of fractured. This is, this, is, this is man in the fall. And the struggle really is about finally saying, I am fractured. And I take on the work of, of trying to become whole, of letting God make me whole. And there's the healing piece. So that's why I say I didn't struggle all of that time. Many times the struggle was not until I had the courage to do it. Yeah, and, and, and sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just say the early part of the testimony is just that I, I never stopped looking for the good and the true and the beautiful. I never stopped looking for love. I just was looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong faces, right? There please don't turn off the podcast, please. Um, <laughs> so, so we have this longing, if I'm hearing correctly, right? This longing, this yearning for love. Sometimes we get it really, really wrong, right? And you kind of, um, in a certain sense, kind of what did went with whatever what was there and and here's the reality we 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 believe that love is a gift okay mm-hmm. that, that this is this is the fullness of it. we we come from gift to live in gift to go back to gift mm-hmm. right and when we don't experience it like that we're going to experience heartbreak and heartache so damon if you're willing to go here can you can you pinpoint how, where have you experienced or how would you articulate heartbreaking or even heartache in your in your relationships, and and mm-hmm. then and then from there, what's helped you to heal from those experiences? Yeah, yeah. God willing, I'm I'm I want to be open about this. I think it, it's clearly in every relationship. I think if I was really honest, I would say, and I want to be, that the the first real heartbreak for me was um, was with my dad. Because as much as he was my hero and wanted to be my hero, um, for much of my childhood, he was an alcoholic, an active alcoholic. And praise God, he's been in recovery for, gosh, 35 years, 30-some odd years. So this isn't a, 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 a current reality. And he'll say, you know, I'm, I'm uh, recovering alcoholic. So it's not, it's not a scandal. But as a kid, the responses and the lack of, uh, uh, love, the lack of attention, just the, the the horrors of of um of being a child of an alcoholic, really fractured me early on in the sense of knowing that, you know, as much as it's I'm deserved to be loved and I'm supposed to be loved, it's not perfect, and that probably moved mm-hmm. into romantic relationships, whether they were, you know, in school or in college or in a very serious relationship, very. A relationship in college before I met Melanie, um, and 
that disappointment, like it just took so much effort. And I think that the, for me, the, it, it manifests because of my personality and my temperament as this earned love. And I've been exhausted from so many decades, Steve, so many decades with this burning. And it's so deep. It's not of the service. It's deep that I've got to work to make sure that people love me. And I've got to not disappoint people. I've got to meet everyone and exceed everyone's expectations. So I'm a hoot over overachiever. You mentioned the yeah. Eagle Scout earlier. You mentioned, you know, the Ivy League schools. I mean, all those things are great accomplishments and I don't discount them. But the duress, the, mm. the the expectations that I put on myself that I had to do those things in order to be loved is it's demonic in that mm. it really that performative love really kept me from experiencing people, present moments of not being able to deal with the disappointments of heartbreak and of really expecting more of myself and more of others. So I don't know if you wanted to go that deep, but- Yeah, no, I, I, let me, if you'll permit me, I wanna, I wanna push into this. And this isn't, I'm not psychologizing or anything like that, but but it, it, I, would, I would assume there was a level of a mask going on there. Oh, right? yes. A, a shell or, or even like, like, if you think of the like first uh, Daniel Craig Bond movie where he says, says to a girl, he's, uh, he's getting involved with like, I've removed my armor. But we oftentimes, and it seems like you were playing that as well, your armor was up and had to, or, or it appeared to it had to be up there, right? Um, what, so what, it, what was that doing to you emotionally inside that armor? Well, I mean, in one sense, and I love that scene with Bond and Vespa, right? When he says that, I yeah, take all my armor off, you know, let go, let me go. Uh, that, that moved me probably because of what we're talking about. It was so personal. I think it's because, you know, it, um, again, not psychologizing too much either. I think there was an arresting going on. I think it arrested me as a little boy. And there's a little boy in there who always wanted to get attention, who always wanted to do good, who always wanted to be the one that didn't cause problems, but because he was there, everything is better. Um, and, and therefore you'll, you'll like me and everybody, and everything will be okay. And, you know, the psychologist I'm sure would, would tie that to being a, a son of an alcoholic and, and, but also temperament being very much of an extrovert, very much of a, you know, um, charismatic, you know, just in terms of temperament, but you know, the inversion of that is this, is this, uh, certainty and the narrative of the certainty, certainty of the narrative that I have to earn people's love and respect. And as soon as I let go, everything will collapse. And it's not so much that you'll know the real me, which is sort of secondary, it's that whatever happens, it happened because I was lazy. I was inattentive. I failed. I was at all the stuff that, you know, when I crossed the 50 year old mark, I'm like, this little boy has got to grow up, <laughs> you know? And I listened to decades of my own wife, Melanie being like, well, how did you get that from that? And I'm like, well, obviously if I don't do that, <laughs> it's not going to be the best. Somebody else is going to do it. I've engineered it properly, woman. I have two degrees on this. Trust me. I got degrees in engineering. I can, I can fix this. That is that is the joke that is like 80-20 serious to, to, to joke because there's this that's the whole narrative. So when it comes to relationships, there's nothing like marriage. There's nothing like fatherhood to shatter these, oh, these little boys trying to be husband, a little boy trying to be a father. Um, because little boys can't love authentically, can't make the gift that you rightly describe love as because you can't give what you don't have. 
and you can't have what you don't know. So that self-knowledge leads to the virtue of self-mastery and the self-mastery, the possession allows to make the self-gift. So that's a whole nother talk, but it's Gosh, all no. related to affective maturity and the stuff that you do so well with Redeemed, um, Redeemed Vision podcast and also with the Freedom Coaching. Thank you so much for that. And I'll, I will, I will receive that. And, and I, I would say, I mean, the other thing I, I feel as you're speaking this, the sheer exhaustion oh, brother. Of, of, of trying to keep this up. And, and I, I, I was there for years. I mean, there's still moments that I'll still do it. There's a reason I'm a freedom coach and not a marriage coach, right? I, I, I need to learn much from you, right? There's things in which, and I think it happens in, in everyone, everyone's situation who gets into intimate relations. I'm not just talking marital relations, but anytime we, we approach letting somebody see me that I'm going to, I'm going to let the veneer down. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take off my armor. I'm going to rest here and let you peer into my world really in there. And, Oh God, Oh God, help me. I'm terrified here Yeah, because that the fear of utter rejection. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if we can open that, it's, it's not even that simple. This hasn't been for me. Right. So the romantic in me, the, yeah. the the courageous one. All you have to do is tell me that's a courageous act, and I will do it. That's not the problem for me. Laying down the armor and being present to Melanie, being present to my daughters. I'll do that in a heartbeat because I know it's true and it takes courage. But the deeper problem is I don't reject the narrative. So I'll I'll take the armor off for you. I'll take the armor for you for now. But uh, there's still something in me that I'm not willing to put the armor away to live and walk outside naked. To, to walk outside unprotected, to do, you know, to literally put it away and live differently, to be really redeemed, right? To be free. That's to me is the deeper one. I could take the armor off in front of people in, in, a, in a heartbeat. Sometimes it's, you know, it can be inauthentic and I've got to check my heart, but I even authentically, I can do that and I can do it for the moment. But then I will reach back for that armor when it's time to go outside and to provide and to, and to present because I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be, I don't want to end up at the end. This is, this is the worst part. Like the, the little mouse that ends up looks like a dragon is that if I, if I don't go yes. out with the, with the <clears throat> armor, I'm going to get punked. Mm. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get, something's going to happen to me really bad be, that if I was paying attention, I, I could have prevented. So don't get punked and stay alert, stay up. And you talk about the word you write was right. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It is. It is. And, and so to those who are, are hearing this, right, I, I can almost hear an echo to, to some people who have, who have tried to struggle with these questions and, and, and experience, try, like trying to find love. Maybe you're a single person or, or your marriage hasn't worked out the way you want to, whether it's divorce or whether you're in marriage. And it's just it's it's a living hell. That's what it feels like. But, and, and so, Damon. This is one of your areas that you've grown to be. I, I and that's why I say, I, and I say it lovingly, if it's not an appropriate term, or whatever. Uh, the love, a love guru, a guru of marriage, whatever. I mean, you're still learning. I, I get that, right? But could you offer kind of so to kind of get into the how a little bit if, for those who are like looking who've, who've experienced heart heartache and heartbreak, or maybe currently they're living it right now. One or two nuggets that they can begin down that path toward towards healing, towards maybe. Maybe letting that armor down. How? Yeah. Um, so, in, you know, in full transparency, what what really has been the heart of 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 this work has been um, almost two polarities. One of them being the very personal struggle and growth in my own marriage with Melanie, 
Um, we love each other so much. It has always been so passionate and we're so different. She's the radical introvert, one-on-one, present, quiet, just sit with me. Let's, let's grow old together. And I am the, let's go do, do, do. Let me clean your car. Let me do this. Let me, you know, let's have a party. Let's bring people over. You know, I mean, it's a classic engineer and social worker. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's odd couple, but beautifully complimentary. And the wounds that we've, we've, uh, we've, um, incurred on each other with the way we've hurt each other um always unintentionally always in defense always thinking that we're under attack so we've got to you know protect ourselves that way so when i get to real practical questions it's the combination of that with literally the decades of you know the guy that comes in at ten thousand feet and teaches about love marriage sex theology the body uh intimacy and, and the principles of the high level so there's many ways it's like it's like the, the personal and the universal that, that fills the work we do now in Joyful Ever After. So the very practical questions and things, um, points that I would suggest for people have to do with um, what our friend Christopher West calls the homework of the heart. Mm-hmm. And, and to do that hard work of the I before the work of the, the thou or the other. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, the descriptions come in like we're doing this week um, in some of our email campaigns, um, hundreds, we're almost 400 heartfelt, heartbreaking testimonies of marriages where people who are uh, so hurt. And for decades, we were married 38 years, we we're married 31 years, we we're married 26 years, we we're married this eight kids. I mean, the stories are just like, wait a minute, what the, you would never fit this. And to the one, it's my husband doesn't, my wife won't. And we have this tendency, because I've done it for decades, almost 30 years of marriage, right, is that the problem is there, that if you did this, then everything would be in sync, because my intentions are right, even though I don't get it right all the time. You should know that and give me the mercy to accept that. But what do I get? I get this from you. Um, so if you just stop doing this, then everything would be fine. And that's sort of the, the, the myopic view that we all have in relationships. So first would be that homework of the heart that says we need to not only give ourselves the mercy in our own weakness, our sin, our brokenness that God gives us, but then learn to extend that to the one that we've taken the armor off to, to my case, Melanie, that uh, a charitable interpretation, as Dr. Greg Popchak speaks about in his marriage, were a charitable interpretation that even when she barks at me, when I know for a fact that this is an accusation, she's never accusing me. She isn't it's intellectually, emotionally, it's an accusation. So the charitable interpretation is, oh, how hurt could she be that she would lash out at me like this because she loves me so much? And that's not a mind game. That's actually no. looking at it through her eyes to me. So charitable interpretation is sort of that exercise. And there's a bunch of exercises that we teach here, but it's about learning to not only express yourself to be interpreted charitably, which you control, but also to, to recognize what we don't control in the other. And to allow charitable interpretation to rest not in the moment of the hurt and the accusation and the pain, but the charitable interpretation to rest on what you remember in the calm times when the temperature is low, uh, what you promised at the altar, that you know in your head, she loves you. He loves you. And he must really be hurting to treat you this way. And, and the second I sort of suggestion is, um, is learning a whole new vocabulary. And I know this sounds very soft, especially coming from an engineer and a man, 
um, but a whole new vocabulary. And I mean hundreds of new words that describe emotions. That, that was, that's been liberating. It still is liberating for me. There's a, almost a, a wheel, you know, when you say angry, the wheel goes out into like, you know, 30 different words that even the exercise of finding that right word, it's liberating. It, it works to this day. I look at it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's not the anger as much as it's, 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 it's a frustration that this and this, an embellishment. So that's mm. the technique we took from Smart Loving, the parolas, Byron and um, Francine Parola out of Australia called the life technique, right? Of, of listening, mm. but then using I feel with embellishments, L-I-F-E. And that exercise is, is, again, a very practical, very concrete way to move out of the realm of actions. You did this to me. I did this to you. That didn't really happen. You said this, but that's not what happened. The fact checker to the emotional yeah. connection that says, wow, you must really be hurting. And to mean that, how, how, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I made you feel this way. How can I make it better? And that's a fast track. It's a very slow burn you know, to connect yeah. that way. So um, homework of the heart and learning to communicate on that emotional level, that'll do wonders, wonders in every relationship, in particular marriage. So I want to, I want to blow this up. My mind is kind of, my mind's going a million miles, a, million it miles is. a minute. I'm I like, okay, how can, how can I implement them as my own marriage? Like I, and, and I, I know in my own marriage, I, I struggle, we, we struggle mightily and and, yeah. and trying to try to figure this thing, these, this thing out because we're taking, and the old phrase goes, right? Take one sinful human being and another sinful human being, a, a man and a woman who they're, those are irreconcilable conf, uh, concepts. Thank God. Say, work it, work, thank God, thank God that I'm, I am not a woman and I don't want to be one. And I, but I do know what one is, Matt Walsh. So within this whole thing, that's a whole other side note. We won't go there right now. But, but like that whole notion, just go work it out. It's insanity. And, and this is where, the beauty of our faith comes in. This is where the beauty of the sacrament of marriage comes in, where you take two very broken men and women, and sometimes really remarkably broken. And, and this isn't to say you shouldn't work on this stuff before marriage. Hope to God you do. But maybe we didn't, right? If we're committed to the cross, if we're committed to sacrificing, to serving one another more here, the, the possibility for grace and what we started this podca podcast with, miracles. We will see miracles that will happen here, right? And, and again, there's a ton to unpack there. And that's why, and I didn't say this in your bio, right? I encourage everyone, check out joyfulleverafter.org, right? There's a wealth of information. And, and I, you, you stole my um, one of my questions um, or comments, I was going to say. The email list, uh, the email series here, a lot of times there's, like, we're trying to sell a program, things like that. You want to make money because you want to support your family. That's a beautiful thing, right? But this is not just selling a program. Mm. This is literally that those 400 plus couples that are or individuals from their marriage, the, the real stuff's in there. I'm getting such nuggets from what's shared in there. So I, I want to say first and foremost, thank you, Damon, for allowing, allowing your yes to be manifested in the world in this ministry that you're doing. Really, really important. So to to recap those those two from we here right first take that charitable inter interpretation and if you're not married by the way this works with anybody right this is human affective maturity this is human formation huge huge absolutely like a person you know i'm i'm getting my my 11 cup of coffee it's at an expensive uh barista place which i'm not going to name um and uh 
and and they say or they look at me the wrong way, maybe they're just having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a shifty eye. I don't know, right? Can we see them as a human person? Can we see them with our heart and love them? That's what this redeemed vision is all about, right? And especially in our marriage. I mean, one of the things I love to I love to share is you know always fight with one another, not against one another, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're on the same team. There may have been some significant wounds that might have built up over many, many years, maybe decades, things we never really talked about. Maybe we didn't do the homework of the heart. Now is the day of redemption. Now is the day of salvation. Today. It's day zero. Enter into that, right? And then that second piece there, Damon, the thing about emotions, this is what we see all the time with clients, right? We work with a vast majority of more, more men than women, but an increasing number of women who are dealing with an attachment to pornography or, or unjust behavior. And many of them are engineers, doctors, right? They're really smart people, okay? Left brain. But right brain, pardon my French, they're really dumb, okay? They're dumb emotionally, okay? They, they never really learned how to do that. So we like to say as you're going through this process, they're going to gain about 100 uh, IQ points on the emotional scale, on the emotional IQ. Same thing here, right? Because what the emotions do, and, and I'd love to hear more of your commentary on what you've seen happening in your own marriage or, or those that you've, you've been able to work with, it creates the empathy. And I would say after courage, empathy is the, is the number two virtue we need more of. And I think it's been stripped out from, from us in many, many facets, many <clears throat> angles of, of, of culture. Your thoughts there. Yeah, good, good. Um, like you, my, my mind's swimming here. So yeah, and, and if we had to on the spot put a priority, I would say humility is probably the best, the greatest virtue, courage, mm-hmm. and then um, and then empathy, because all those are prerequisites to love. Yeah. And um, the humility is taking someone with d- degrees, success, affirmation, fulfillment in one particular area of their life, whether it's professional or or otherwise, and saying, you need to start here in kindergarten when it comes to emotional school. And the humility says, you know, I will sit in this awkward chair with all these, you know, and I will learn what I should have learned in kindergarten. Billy Madison, baby. It's Billy Madison. And look, and, 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 but isn't that what marriage is? How many times have you felt like that in, in marriage, Steve, where you're like, I'm a grown man and I'm <laughs> being talked to and listening like I'm, like I'm an idiot. And, you know, I'm not an idiot. So don't treat me like an idiot. And then we go to the whole narrative of defending ourselves, but that's the lack of humility that says, you know what, I, I need to learn this because not only am I hurting you, I'm hurting myself and I'm hurting everyone around me. So that barista you mentioned, it's not just being empathetic because it's a, it's a good thing to do, a nice thing to do. Your redeemed vision, using your phrasing, allows you to not only see the world differently, but to encounter and experience. It's a different phenomena. It's a different phenomenology. So we will mm-hmm. act differently. We will respond differently. The road rage the uh, injustice, the uh, and it's not just Karens. There, there's a name for every group of people who feel like the world mm. is unjust. And I've got to get my. I, I get that all the time, but it's because we've allowed the world to be seen through a lens that's about my comfort. It's about m- making sure I don't experience injustice. It's about getting mine and not getting, you know, clowned by by a person or the culture. Mm-hmm. But when you can enter into someone else, um, there's there's two options there. And this is where I learned it, literally, you know, in the, in the last year with my with our experts in epic intimacy is and that's one of our programs, the difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a it was a necessary distinction 
because it's more than just feeling what someone else is feeling, which is a huge first step to be able to see through their eyes. But the difference between sympathy and empathy is what do you do with that, with that affirmation? Sympathy takes what they're feeling and becomes yours. And you say, oh, I felt like that. I understand what you're feeling like because I was like that. Before. In fact, let me tell you the time when it happened. Mm. Sympathy is about us, right? Empathy takes that same ability to see and experience the other, the, what the other is experiencing, but to now put it into a you experience. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. That must be mm. awful. And there's a, there's a distinctive power difference when it comes to building intimacy in friendship, in any relationship, when you can uh, affirm to this other that not only do you understand what they're experiencing, but you care that they're experiencing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, so, oh it totally, it totally yeah, I, This is not something I could have spoken about a year ago. But the distinction I was like, I was like, oh, that's why you feel patronized when somebody says, oh, I felt the same way. You'll be, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're like, and, and I, and I, th I think also why, if we take merely a sympathetic view on this, it's off-putting because now, like most of the things the culture right, it's all about you again. It's all about like like it's all about me. Like me, it's almost, it's almost worse. In some cases, it's almost worse because you're saying like simpatico, like we're the same. We're on the same level. You actually see what I'm doing and you still don't care. It's still about you. So it's almost worse. Like, oh, you never get me. You never, we're, we're missing each other. Not on the same page, yeah. not on the same book. But now I see that you understand what I'm feeling and you still don't care about me. So it, it can actually be worse. So what would you say then? Uh, humility is a big one. Humility is acknowledging who we are on the side of God. It's not growling as, as a lot of people. It's, it's acknowledging who we are. So once we take that humble approach regarding empathy, what's the next step then? What do you say? The empathy is an act of love, right? An, an active initiative love. Because when I look at humility and even uh, maybe skipping courage, maybe a little bit of courage to enter into another um, and empathy, it's about this receptivity. Right. You're receiving mm -hmm. the other as they are. And that's the first yes. step in love. Yes. Right. Yes. And that yes. posture of receptivity then calls for a gift to be initiated Then make you make a gift. Right. So and that allows the communion, the gift received and the gift responded to. So it's it's this communion of love, this communio, this common union mm -hmm. that's received and then and then given. And sort of the inverse is that even the the most passionate and attentive Christians who want to love first begin with the initiative. Let me make this gift. Let me do this, especially men. I'm speaking as a man, right? When no, the first posture is always receptivity. It's like we love because God has first loved us. I respond to you because I see you and I, and I, and I love you and I want you to know that. So love is first received before it's, before it's given. But the other piece is that um, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people. Everybody kind of knows that one, right? It's true. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. But the inverse is true. Oh, loved people, love people. So when you're, when you've received this love, you can't help, but reciprocate. You can't help, but make the gift. And that barista is not one of sympathy. Like, oh, you're having a bad day. Hope it gets better. I see you're having, you know, it's the, it's the look sometimes just even a look and you'd be like, thank you. Thank you. And she's many like, oh. men. And, and I, I would add to all of this beautiful. And I would add to that piece of that receptivity. 
is the is the number one reason why St. Paul says love is patience. It's mm. patient. It's number one on the list. Why? Because you must allow the other to be other. And I think mm. this is one of the struggles that we find sometimes in, in, in intimate relationships and in marriage is we want to control. And maybe it goes back to the armor place. Because mm. if I allow this freedom, maybe because I've been hurt by my parents or you've hurt me and, and, and won too many times and I'm not going to let you do it again. But but the way forward is we, we've got to have this humble trust that, you know, there's been hurting here, but I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to have patience and take that perspective again, that um, that, that charitable interpretation. As you said, I, I love that. I love it. And you know, I'm, I'm gonna throw this out. I just as you said that, I got this image uh, with St. Paul of um, just the question patience it answers the question about love's relationship with time. So, what's love's relationship with time? Receiving another, making that gift, willing the good of one another. What's love's relationship with time? And it goes to the the chronos, if you heard that phrase before, which is the tick-tock of, of time passing in, in minutes and hours, chronos, or the kairos, which is experiential. It's something that's outside of the, the sun and the moon. It has to do with, 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 with God's progression toward holiness. And Paul saying, St. Paul saying, love is patient. He's saying in the, in the realm of time and its relationship, we can't rush it. We can't measure it by how quickly it occurs or how slowly it occurs, um, how much time it's going to take, but as how, how is it moving us in that Kairos, you know, toward, toward real intimacy, toward real wholeness and holiness. That just, this is just, you know, forgive me for riffing on for live. No, no, th we're, this is why, this is why we do this podcast. We want to enter, enter deeply yeah. in there. And, and I, I, we've, we've just got a minute or two on this section and I want to move to something a little more fun that some, some of our listeners are familiar with. Um, but um, this joyful ever after, I assume that's the best place that people can get in touch with you, get to know a little bit more of your work. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. In Epic Intimacy, we have two major offerings now as we're moving into shortly the individual coaching and, and group coaching. It's um, Epic Intimacy, uh, Emotional, Physical, Intellectual, Communicative, Epic Intimacy. And we've got individual modules and, and you know, collections along there. And our Catholic Marriage Summit, which really is a growing collection of witnesses, so actual couples. So those are the two big offerings at joyfuleverafter.org, joyfuleverafter.org. Wonderful, wonderful, Damon. Um, and and just to uh, to put a little bow, again, there's we can go on this forever. This is what heaven is about: is growing even more into love, right? Mm. Uh, being authentically healed and whole, so that we can enter in full union with our bridegroom in eternity, Jesus Christ. Right? Mm. Amen. And um, I want to leave this just to the the listeners. One of my favorite quotes um, from Pope Benedict, mm. and he said this back in 2007. Everybody feels the longing to love and to be loved. Yet how difficult it is to love and how many mistakes and failures have to be reckoned with in love. There are those who even come to doubt that love is possible. Hmm. But if emotional delusions or lack of affection can cause us to think that love is utopian, an impossible dream, should we then become resigned? No, love is possible. And the purpose of my message, and shall we say Damon's and my own and us here at Freedom Coaching and the Redeemed Vision Podcast, is to help reawaken in each one of you 
you who are the future and hope of humanity, this is written to youth, but it's for all of us because we are the future of humanity now. Trust in a love that is true, faithful, and strong. A love that generates peace and joy. A love that binds people together and allows them to feel free and respect for one another. I love that man. I did that. We want to call we him the Rottweiler, but he's he's the German. He was the German Shepherd, is what he was. <laughs> I would call him the German Labrador, dude. He just wants to come up and let him play. Play. I love that. Right? I love, was that Deus Caritas S? Was that God is love? Where was that from? No, that's Deus Caritas S is to. Uh, that's God is love for those who, who are familiar. And if you have not read the beautiful teachings in the church, what the church actually teaches, please pick a document, run with it. Okay, mm -hmm. run. Running the work of St. John yeah. Paul II, um, uh, Pope Benedict, beautiful stuff there. Deus Cartes was 2005. This is 2007. This is World Meeting, uh, um, World Youth Day, 2007. Wow. So wow. It's the opening lines of the, I thought it was the ending, it's the opening lines of this. And so beautiful, really profound. So going to something completely different. Um, I have this this cup that was given by uh, by my uh, by my daughters so um this isn't necessarily a dad joke but i want to i'm going to and i'll make for those who are listening to the podcast it says i have a coffee cup that says ask me about my dad jokes given to me on father's day so you're an engineer maybe you've heard this one maybe not so there's three engineers they're hanging out at a bar and um they're they're talking about a lot of topics and then the topic gets to talking about god and then they start thinking about you know if god were um God were an engineer, what kind of engineer would, would he be? And they, and they settled on this kind of, okay, how are we going to come up with this? And they settled on a topic about the body. Okay. You ever heard this one? No. Okay. So you can totally use this. This is great. So, so uh, the, the electrical engineer said, oh, come on, he'd be an electrical engineer, obviously. I mean, look at how the synapses fire and it's immediate from one end to the end, things going in the mechanical engineer, he chimes in says, are you crazy? Look at the way which the body is formed and the mechanics just work beautifully. I mean, it's a symphony. And the civil engineer, he's sitting back, sipping his beer, listening to them, kind of um, blowing hard. He said, listen, guys, this is, he's a, he's a civil engineer. You know why? Because what kind of guy puts a waste treatment facility right next to a perfectly good <laughs> recreation facility? <laughs> okay. You're welcome. All right, Dad. All right, Dad. <laughs> so there you go, Dad. So um, anyway, points to ponder uh, for my dear engineers. And uh, they see, it's prove engineers even do have a sense of humor. So here we so. go. So, so moving to this from, from here, we want to share with you, um, this is something we've begun doing over the past few podcasts. This is called The Twelfth. And we want to get your take. So obviously, Damon, and I thank you, you've shared a wealth of your heart, obviously intellectually, but especially going deep in, in your past. And so these are kind of light and fluffy, but maybe not so light and fluffy. So it uh, starts kind of the banal and then moves down there. So we'll see. So 12 questions. Don't, don't overthink it. Here we go. Number one, peanut butter, creamy or crunchy? Crunchy. Always. Number two, if you could be any Star Wars character, which one would you be? Ooh. I'd have to go with uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yes, exactly. There you go. Number three, what's your favorite desert island food? Desert island. Desert island food. If you were stuck on a desert island with one food, what would it be? Pineapples. <laughs> You're going quite literal. Thank you very much. Impractical. Good. Uh, maybe make a raft out of them. Okay. So number four. <laughs> the professor the professor yes yeah, right yeah there you go <laughs> uh beer or wine oh come on i know i just, i didn't say they were easy oh uh, beer okay which one 
What kind? Oh, it's a Belgian. It's a dark Belgian. You need a fork uh, and a knife. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I'll take that. Very good. Uh, five, what is your most memorable Christmas gift you received growing up? Oh, I was nine years old. I got a Honda MR50 motor, motorbike, minibike, my first one, in the dead winter, 12 inches of snow. I took it out anyway. And how many hours later did you crash it? Oh, it was very short, but you know, <laughs> then you learn how to fix it. Oh, that was the best, exactly. best Christmas ever. And thus the, the engineer in you was born, perhaps. Easily. Right. Combustion engine. That's right. <laughs> and I'm glad you didn't blow up. Okay. Number six. What is your bucket list country or city? Oh. Um, Nairobi, Kenya. Ooh, beautiful. I've done beautiful. three events for them and I just, I've not gone anywhere near and I just, I love the people and I'm just dying to get to Nairobi. I love it. I love it. Number seven, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. Flying. Yeah. That's what most people say. It's, it's a gift. And, and that's my you argument. Told me to think. You told me to think about it. If I think about it, I'll have a different answer. Yeah. But yeah. No, right no, off the top. bat, it's flying. I'm I trade all, I'm my, all my American Airlines miles in for that. <laughs> good, good luck, but it's it's coming. It's coming. I, I, my prediction, heaven, we're going to fly, and I'm going to go knock, knock people over like bowling pins, and and they're all going to laugh. So I that's my it. thoughts. So, uh, eight, have you seen The Chosen? Yes. Impossible question. Favorite episode? Ooh, yeah. Favorite episode? Oh, it was season one. Um, Nicodemus on the rooftop yeah. with Jesus. Oh, I still weep with that that scene um, mm. when he just looked at him and he realized he was the Messiah, and he realized the dilemma is that Nicodemus on the rooftop with um, with Jesus. Fulfillment of desire. Yes. Yes. Nine. Besides your name and date. What do you want written on your tombstone? He loved. Hmm. Perfect. Ten. If you had to pick a favorite saint, saint, maybe a stalker saint. Who is it? Oh, Saint Jose Maria Escrivá, hmm. and then John Paul II. Beautiful. Okay, so you're sneaking the second one in there. I, 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 can't, I just, just yeah. <laughs> look. I got four. <laughs> I could actually read you fourteen. So you're lucky. I only gave you two. So okay, this is gonna be heavy. Here we go. Number eleven. If you had to be martyred, how would you like to go out? Oh, oh. How? You talking about the actual torture or the, 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 uh, the speech I would give? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not talking about torturing us with your speech, but. Oh, um. yeah. No, it would be, um, it would be. I, I want the last word of my mouth to be Jesus. Um, yeah, man, my pride wants it to be big in public, but my, my humility wants it to be private and people don't find out till decades later. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. But I'd say Jesus is a good way to go out. I'll take yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Twelfth one. Final, final question. Why be Catholic? Why be Catholic? Um, once you realize that everything you desire is a relentless pursuit of what's good 
what's true and what's beautiful, the greatest deposit of that is in the Catholic Church. You can't help but come to it. It's not the people. You'll find them later. It's not the clergy. You'll, you'll, you'll endure them. It's the deposit of the goodness, truth, and beauty that God himself placed there that uh, will keep you in a lifetime of search. Mm. This doesn't bottom out, folks. If you like a little, if you liked a little smidge of what you've heard today, go deep. Don't just take our word for it. The church has a wealth of education that never runs dry. It's the well that satisfies. And it's a ducare. It draws you out into the deep. It's a ducare. It's not just information. It's a ducare. You will be drawn out. Mm. Led and drawn out. Mm. Right? Mm. It's beautiful. Damon Owens, an honor, a privilege to have you here on the Redeemed Vision podcast. Um, we are nearly out of time. Um, for all those who are here or watching this, um, I encourage you, please, if anything has struck you, please check out um, Joyfully, Joyful Ever After. Check out the Epic Marriage Challenge. Um, there's a wealth to go deep here. And I would even say, even if you're not married, there's going to be a wealth there, even of preparation, because that the deep work that's needed, um, if you're thinking about that vocation, this is a way in which you can begin to have those um, those false ideas, have the uh, scales fall from your eyes. You can enter into this most intimate relationship as best as possible. And then in the process and even afterwards in marriage, let grace take over. Amen. 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 So Damon, an honor and a privilege to be with you. For all of us at the Redeemed Vision podcast and for um, Freedom Coaching, we're grateful that you're here with us. Um, please like, subscribe if you like this. Please share this everywhere you know. And if you feel that you'd like to support us financially, as I said, we have we have the Freedom Coaching Foundation, the 501c3 um, foundation. Uh, it makes it tax deductible. It can uh, really benefit the work that we're doing here. And so just like everything we say with um, in all that we do, may everything we do give glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, never shall be, world without end. Amen. Nothing is wasted. Everything is redeemable. Go live your life as the miracle that you are. God bless you. I'm Steve Picorni, the founder of Freedom Coaching. Until next time, this has been the Redeemed Vision Podcast. God bless. The Redeemed Vision Podcast is an outreach of Freedom Coaching. To learn more, check out freedom-coaching.net. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Movie.